Today, we're going to be talking about greater intimacy with God. And, um, you know, how, much, how many times do we want to be closer to God, to know him in a deeper way, to be known? And, you know, when we say intimacy, sometimes we think in our cultural context of physical intimacy, but actually all intimacy means is being closer and nearer and to know someone or something in a deeper way and to be known. And that's what God's heart is, is to be known by us and to know, uh, for us to know him more. And Steve touched upon that earlier today, that um, that's our heart, is for people to know Jesus and to make him known. You know, as I said, intimacy, some people's like eyes popped up, open a little bit, sat a little straighter in your chair. And then when I said, with God, people were like, oh, okay, yeah, that's, that's fine. I guess the, that's okay. You know, you can put the pitchforks and torches away. It's, it's okay. We're going to keep this biblical, guys. Knowing in the biblical sense. So, you know, we're going to talk specifically in terms of the prophetic. The prophetic, because the prophetic is an incredible way of, of God showing us his heart, his compassionate, his passionate heart for us. But growing up in, in the church I grew up in, the prophetic was, was just seen as a little out there. And it wasn't something to embrace. It wasn't something to engage. And actually, it was something to actually avoid. Because who knows what could happen if we kind of stepped into that. And so growing up, I, I just, I kind of turned this way, where I said, you know, maybe it's great for some people, but but not for me, right? I'm going to stick to the word, I'm going to stick to prayer, and I'm going to stick to worshiping God, because I know those are good things. But the prophetic, maybe that's for somebody else. And so I was firmly in this camp here, but as I looked at the word and prayer and worship, I, I just realized that, that over the thousands of years as we're looking for, as people were looking for Jesus, that God used prophecy to point to him. That there were hundreds and hundreds of prophecies and prophetic pictures pointing to Jesus, this incredible picture of God's love for us, the most incredible picture of love, actually, that has ever existed. God coming down, being flesh, so that we could bridge any gap between us, that he would suffer and die for us, and be raised by the love of the Holy Spirit and the will of the Father. And then he would pour out that Holy Spirit for us, so that we would never be alone, we would never be left or forsaken. And I just was thinking about those thousands of years that the Jewish people were, were sitting there and praying and eagerly looking and asking for that Savior to come. And God gave them prophecies to comfort them, to encourage them, to point them in a direction. And as I saw that, I, my, my path here started turning back to a true north of a more balanced perspective on the prophetic with the word, with worship, with prayer. And I realized that the arc of history points to Jesus and God uses the prophetic to point in that direction. And as Jesus came, he prophesied over people. We heard wonderfully how Courtney told, uh, told us about the woman at the well, how she was looking for intimacy and things that the world would offer, but God gave her something so much deeper. She was valued. She was appreciated. She was, she was established in the love of God, that she had rivers of living water as Jesus spoke prophetically over her. And she became the first woman evangelist, evangelizing throughout Samaria. The prophetic changes us. It, it transforms us. And as I was praying over which, gospel, uh, which uh, verse to share, the verse that came to mind was actually Jesus first calling Nathaniel to him. So if you could turn with me to John 1, verse 45 to 51. It'll be up on the screen, so you don't have to freak out. It'll be right there. So, 
two of John the Baptist's disciples uh, heard about Jesus from John the Baptist and, and followed Jesus. And then Jesus saw Philip and he said, come follow me. And so Philip then found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. You know, I, I realized that I kind of had that same view of the prophetic. And actually, this, is, this was, it, it kind of grabbed my heart because this was almost a prophetic picture for me, personally, and maybe for some of us here today in church. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were sitting under the fig tree before Philip called you. Now, if we just pause right there, that seems like a pretty harmless statement. You were sitting under a fig tree, you know. I've never personally sat under a fig tree, but I'm sure it's a a nice, normal thing to do. But as we look over the Old Testament, there were several verses in 1 Kings 4.25 and Micah 4 and Zechariah 3.10 where it says that every Israelite would sit under their fig tree and under their vine. And as I did some research on that, I said, like, what's the deal with this? And What it was is culturally appropriate for people to have their own fig tree. It was a a tree that that fruited throughout the year. And they would sit there and they would read the Talmud. They would open up the word. And it was a place of quiet time with God. They would pray and call out to God. And like any good, good Hebrew, Nathaniel was calling out for that Messiah to come. He was calling out on the prophecies that were written and asking for that Savior to come. And in that moment, right before Philip got to him, Jesus saw him there. And when Jesus called out prophetically what what Philip was doing, Philip's heart changed inside him. Then Nathaniel, I mean, sorry, Nathaniel's heart changed within him. And Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. What a difference from can anything good come from Nazareth to you are the son of God. If you'll remember, later on the Pharisees said that same thing. What good can come from Galilee? They would, they would rebuke Nicodemus and say, How, no prophet comes from Galilee, from that place. See, our culture, our teachings, our, our, the things that we've learned can bring us away from God. But the prophetic draws us near as we see this incredible heart that God has for us. And Jesus says, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open up and angels of God ascending and descending the Son of Man. See, God didn't just tell him his past. He met him in the present, and he told him his future. The prophetic isn't fortune-telling. It's about nearness of Jesus. It's about drawing us close, and it reveals God's heart for us and who God is. And it exists outside of time. You know, as I read these words, I realized that maybe, maybe I, I could step into the prophetic more, but I struggled with how to do that. But there was a time that really kind of rocked me. And it was, it was many years ago. I was a single guy, and I was actually living with Ron Chaco. Um, and that's not what rocked me. Being roommates with Ron Chaco was not what devastated me at that time. But, but he was a great guy. He's not here today, so I can, I can bust his chops a little bit. There's no retribution today. I'll, I'll make up with him throughout the week. But, but during that time, I was struggling with, with finding the person that God had for me. And as a single guy, I, I wanted to to find that person that God, that God was guiding me to. And, and I just had this feeling deep down that God had someone for me. 
that the God who cared about all these different aspects of my life also cared about my future relationship. And I had been trying, and I had been praying, and worshiping, and, 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 and reading the word, and, but I, I was just, I felt like God wasn't doing anything. I felt like I was doing all the hard work, and, and God was this neglectful father or this absent landlord. I felt like God was distant and, and, and apart from me. And I was frustrated, and I was just being real. And, and in my prayers, I said, God, are you, are you even doing anything? And what I, and that wasn't the best spirit to come at in prayer. I, I recognize that, but I was just trying to be real with God. And in, in that prayer, it, w- it was like the silence was deafening. It was complete radio silence. And every time, before that, normally when I pray, I would hear something or feel a sentiment or something would come across. This time it was deafening. I heard nothing. And my response was, it's going to be like that, huh, God? And I was angry and I was frustrated and I was upset. And I went to sleep angry. And while I was sleeping, I had this dream, this, the most vivid dream I've ever had. Just as real as I'm sitting here or standing here and talking to you, I had this dream where I was talking to this girl that I had never met before. And she was cute, but the, the more I talked to her, and I talked to her about God and our visions of life and our plans and purposes and the call that God had over us, she became more and more and more beautiful to me. And I had this feeling in my dream of love that I had never felt before. I had never had that feeling any time in my life before. And it was the most beautiful feeling. And then my alarm clock goes off, and I wake up. And I was like, wait, I'm, I was dreaming? And I, I, I did what we probably all would do. I dra- tried desperately to go back to sleep. And I couldn't sleep. I was like, no, what, why can't I sleep? I wouldn't have woken up probably. And so that, that alarm clock was a blessing. But and then I prayed and I asked God. I said, God, what was, what was that all about? What was that? And as deafening as the silence was before, it was as clear as I heard after that. I heard, where would you find her? I said, what? I, 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 I don't know. And then I heard, would you find her at church? Would you find her at school? Would you find her in a bar? And, and I said, I, I don't know. And then, clear as day, I heard, now are you ready to follow me? And that cut me to my heart. And I realized that I had been making a relationship an idol in my life that that also, despite my time in the Word, despite praying, despite worshiping, I was going this way, and in a prophetic dream, God brought me back to my true north. And I realized that it was about Him. That that's my first love. That's actually my true love. And the love I feel for God way superseded anything that I felt in that dream. And I sought first that kingdom. And then years later, my aunt, who was in India at the time, said, you know, I met this girl in, in, at a wedding in India re- pretty randomly, and I think you guys should, should get together. And I said, oh, this is weird. My aunt never brings things like this up. And I was like, who's this girl? He said, uh, she said, oh, it's this girl from South Africa. And I said, South Africa? I was like, what am I going to do with a girl from South Africa? Is this, does anything good for, come from South Africa? I mean, does it? You know? And I'm getting dagger stares from the front row here, over here, but, but that, I just being real, guys, being real, that's, that's what I felt at the time, just gonna, just gonna put this up a little bit, block, block the, the dagger stairs over there, but, but, but that was my, my view at the time, and so I didn't, I didn't do anything, I just was like, 
oh, sweet, sweet, simple country aunt from India. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dis- disregard that completely. And then a month, a month or two, two later, this guy I'd grown up with and I'd known for several years said, you know, Matt, I was just thinking about you, and, I, you know, I think you should meet my cousin. I think, I think you guys would really hit it off. And I was like, oh, who's your cousin? He said, oh, this girl from South Africa. I was like, that got my attention. I was like, the same girl from South Africa? I was like, yeah, it's the same girl from South Africa. So, you know, I, you know, we emailed and talked on the phone, and I felt God guide me to go over there and visit her. And, and when I visited her, all my friends, including Ron Chaco, was, was like, what are you doing, man? Why are you flying to South Africa and doing all these things? But, but I felt God in prayer say, you know, just, just take a step. And when I met her, it was just like the dream. You know, despite my panic, I was, I thought she was cute. And, and as I got to know her and talk to her about God and life and our callings in life, she became more and more beautiful to me. And I knew that God had guided me. See, God knows us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He sees exactly where we need to go and where those landmines are and how to navigate around those things. And, and I, I just thought back of why, I, why did I keep the prophetic at arm's length before? What was God going to do to me through the prophetic? He only has a heart to love me and care for me and guide me. And we see that don't just go by my experiences, let's go by the word. And it, in Acts 2, 17 to 18 and 2, 38 to 39, Peter comes after the Pentecost and, and after their tongues of fire came on everybody. And, and Steve next week is going to talk about uh, praying in tongues. I'm not going to go into that now, but... But it freaked everybody out. And everybody said, you guys are, these guys are like drunk on, on new wine. You know, this is crazy. And Peter said, no, it's in the morning. We're not drunk on wine. You know, and then he says, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see, see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Like Matt Phillip, old man Matt Phillip will dream dreams. <laughs> Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in these days, and they will prophesy. And he, then he goes up and he opens the word and he shares prophetic pictures of, of David. And he says, Prophet David shared this in the Psalms. And then this other prophecy that, that David said. And he opened up the word to them. And they were cut to the heart. It says that all these people who were ridiculing them and laughing at them, all of a sudden were cut to the heart and 3,000 came to know, know uh, Jesus. And he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children. And for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. It's for us. It's for the generations before that. It's for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. It's an incredible and beautiful and wonderful gift and 3,000 came to the, to, to the number that day. You know, over the series, we've been hearing about gifts from the Father, gifts from the Son, gifts from the Holy Spirit. And it's been beautiful. It's been wonderful to see that. Gifts from the Father in Romans 12, gifts from the Son in Ephesians 4, for the building up of the church. 1 Corinthians 14 talks about the gifts of the Spirit. But you know the one gift that's common in all of those, those gifts is the prophetic, the gift of prophecy. You see, God is emphasizing this gift. He focuses on it. And maybe it's something that we shouldn't ignore. But they're a little different in the different giftings. When we think about the prophetic gifting in, in uh, Romans 12, it's a grace gift. Other grace gifts were gifts of service and gifts of encouragement. And there's a prophetic grace gift that's there. 
And it's, it's like, have you ever known something was going to happen and you just knew deep down that it was going to happen and you didn't know why you knew, but you knew that it was going to happen? Maybe that was the grace gift of prophecy. Now, the world may tell you that, that was your gut or that's your instinct or that's something else and maybe it'll secularize it. But the Bible tells us it's something deeper than that, friends. And if we recognize it, maybe we'll respond to it a little quicker and better. A few years ago, I was up for a completely different job within the company that I currently work in. And the CEO of my company um, had a meeting with me, and he said, Matt, I want you to do this job. And this job was really risky. It was a big change. I had a young family. I said, you know, if this doesn't go right, it, it could be really bad. And he told me, he said, Matt, there are times in my life where I, I just know something is going to happen. It's going to work out. And I don't know how I know it, but I just know it. And this is one of those times. I just know this is going to work. And that got my attention. I said, well, okay, let me think about it. And I, I prayed about it, and I felt God say, you know, let's consider it, and let's keep praying. And that weekend, there was an Ephesians 4 weekend, right? Ephesians 4, Gifts of the Son. And Ken Grenfell, who works in the office of a prophet, came by and he was teaching us about the prophetic and about different things. And in between sessions, he and his wife, Michelle, stopped me. And they said, Matt, you know, I just got a prophetic picture for you, and I, but I don't know what it means. I said, well, bring it on. And so they, they, they said that they saw this, this sign over me that just said breakthrough. And they don't know what it means. They were like, are you struggling with something or another? Because I just see breakthrough. And I, like, immediately it was like, oh. It really resonated within me because that clinic that my CEO talked to me about it was called the Breakthrough Care Center. And, and the sign says breakthrough is the sign. And there's no way they could have known that. There's zero way that they could have known that. But God knew it. God knew it. And he was intimately tied to my, my work conditions and my life and my family. Like, he cares about all of those things. Friends, he's not a, he's not a distant God. He is intimately entwined with everyday life. And you know what it did to my prayer life? It increased it to a deeper level. It, and you know what it did to my time in the Word? It brought it to a different level because I saw that this personal loving God that the Word talks about is really the God that we're praying to and that we're worshiping. And it, it took my worship to another level because I, I realized, yes, this God is worshiped. Every good thing in my life comes from Him. This past week as we were... As we were preparing the sermon, I actually ran into my CEO again. And I just felt God prompt me to bring up that story. And I said, Mike, do you remember that story, that, the time when you, you told me that? And he was like, yeah, Matt, yeah, I remember that. He said, uh, do you get those feelings every once in a while? He's like, yeah, yes, every once in a while I get it. He's like, do you know why you get that? I was like, no, I don't really know why, but I just know that it, it, it happens. And I said, well, you know how people have gifts of like physical gifts and intellectual gifts? You know, maybe they have spiritual gifts too. And I just left it at that. And he stopped and he looked at me and he thought for a minute. He said, yeah, I guess, I guess they could. And then he opened up and he said, you know, I, I believe in God. And this is a tough, tough guy who he keeps his emotions deep down. He said, you know, Matt, I, I believe in God. And God is important to me. I don't always do the right things or, or things like that. But I know that whenever I come ask for forgiveness, I mean, it's the best deal in the world that I can, I can ask for forgiveness and God gives it to me. And then, you know, we parted and it was, it was a nice moment where the prophetic actually, his own gift of prophetic gifting opened him up to the gospel, right? And uh, later in that, that same meeting, he was talking to someone else and he said, 
you know, I, I just know that this is going to happen. And then he stopped as he said that. And he stopped and he thought for a second and he looked over at me and he pointed to me. And he, he just nodded, yeah. And you could see God just resonating his heart towards the nearness of God through a grace gift that he was given that he just never knew what it was. Just like we talked about the Ephesians 4 weekends, we see the gifts of the Son. And they had Ephesians 4 weekends in Acts as well. And, and you know, I mean, and this is right around the time they wrote Ephesians 4, I'm sure, but there were these, in, in Acts 11, it talks about the prophets that went, came down from Jerusalem down to Antioch. And I had never really seen that before. I was like, wait, the prophets came down? And one of those prophets was named Agabus. And he gave a prophetic word to the apostles. And he said that there would be a great famine that would happen all throughout the, the known world, which is the Roman Empire, during the time of Claudius. And the church rallied together and unified and, and put resources and was ready to respond to that famine when it happened, before anything else, before the government, before anything. And it was it's such an incredible picture of the apostles being helped in their apostolic function by the prophetic. The church united behind a cause that hadn't even happened yet. And they pounced right when it happened, before anything. And I just wonder how many people were ministered to, how many people were helped and saved, how many people came to know the love of God through that time. See, the prophetic ties in the other gifts, the other offices, the apostolic, the offices of the teacher, the word comes alive, pastoral gifts. See, if we know that God is near, then we can rejoice even in our suffering. As Philippians 4.4 says, rejoice because God is near. It helps us with the evangelistic office. 3,000 came to their midst as they saw the prophetic come to life. It's a beautiful, beautiful gift and a wonderful picture of what God can do. It's also given by the Holy Spirit. And that's what we've been talking about over these last several weeks also. 1 Corinthians 14.1. You know, we heard Nancy last week talk about the gifts of love and how the gifts are given with love. You see, the Corinthian church was focusing on the gifts, and they had forgotten the foundation, which is love. See, it's not just about razzle-dazzle gifts here. It's about love. Love is the heart behind the gifts are operated. And, and Paul had to bring them back to that. That Guys, cry, God loved us first, and let's do this in love. But then he says, pursue love, but also eagerly desire the gifts, especially prophecy. You see, the, the 1 Corinthians 14 gifts of healing and miracles and, and tongues and all of these things are all great, but he highlights again prophecy, pointing us back to Jesus, pointing us back to God. You know the book of Revelation, the prophetic revelations that are the book of Revelation, you know, it, sometimes it's something that I, I noticed that I would ignore completely growing up because I was so kind of freaked out by prophecy that I just found myself ignoring the book of Revelation because it's filled with prophecy. You know, so I'm not going to gravitate towards it. You know? And I just repented for that. I said, you know, here's a book of the Bible that I just totally put below everything else for no reason. This is an incredible picture of God's love for, for us. And in that book, in Revelation 19.10, it said the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. You see, that's what prophecy is. It's a testimony of Jesus. It's that arc of history pointing to Jesus, both past, present, and future. And it's something that we should cherish. But let's get practical. Can we get practical here? I think we've established that the prophetic is real. It's biblical. It's for now. 
but how do we, how do, we do it? How do we operate in it? Well, there was this, this saying that I heard in school, okay? As they were teaching us new procedures or how to learn new skills, there was see one, do one, and teach one. See the procedure, then do the procedure, and then teach someone the procedure. You learn by seeing, you learn by doing, and you also learn by teaching. And I think that applies for the prophetic as well. So you can't see the prophetic if you're not looking for the prophetic. You know, this, this was actually unscripted today, but, but James had that prophetic song earlier today. I did not go up to James and say, hey, we, we really need a prophetic song here today. He, he felt of God to come up and have that prophetic song, and, and it was a beautiful song, and, and you could feel worship change after the song. You could feel hearts open up and reveal something of God, right? That was a practical example of a prophetic song. You know when I first started coming to church in the city, when I'd hear that, I was like, oh, that's a nice solo. That's, that's, a, that's, a, oh, that's a nice solo. Okay, let's go back to the worshiping, you know? Because I had no idea what it was. You know, and then as I realized, I was like, oh, those aren't solos. Those are prophetic songs. Maybe that's for me. Maybe I should listen to that, what they're saying. And as I listened, there were times where it grabbed me. You know, Matt Redman, actually, he gave this conference on uh, prophetic worship. It was like in 2008. And he was sharing a story of how at a conference, I think in 2007 or 2006, in the middle of his worship songs, he felt like he should sing that Michael Jackson song, You Are Not Alone. And he was like, I really feel like I should sing You Are Not Alone in the middle of a Christian worship concert, you know. And, and he was like, no, God, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And, and then Matt Redman, you know, the charismatic Matt Redman, you know, he's standard, he's like us, you know, Matt Redman, you know, Matt Redman was, um, just kept feeling God was like, you're going to sing You're Not Alone. And so he's, he, in the middle, just said, you are not alone. I'm not going to sing it for you right now, but you can use your imagination. You are not alone. I don't want to ruin it for you guys. I don't want to ruin it for you, you know. Uh, just saying, you are not alone. And then he went back to worship. And he was like, I, you know, People are going to run out of the auditorium or I don't know, whatever. But no one really left. And afterwards, he was cleaning up and his manager came up and said, you know, there's someone here that like, wants to talk to you. And she's like, she's weeping. And he said, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll talk to her. And she said, you know, as I was driving to this, con- this, this um, concert, I was just crying out to God. And I said, you know, God, I just I feel so alone. I just feel so alone. I just feel like you're so distant. Can you just please help me to know that you're near? Please just help me know that, that you care about me. And Matt, when you sang that in your concert, it was like a lightning bolt that caught my heart. And I just knew that God heard me. God loved me. God cared about me. And maybe the other 20,000 people just thought it was weird that he was singing that. But isn't that God's heart? to leave the 99 and to go after the one. You know, I would just encourage us to not, not let what seems weird pull us away from the incredible heart going, of God going after the one. Let's look for it. Let's see it. You know, when there are prophetic contributions that come forward in worship, people, people share this picture that they have or this verse that's coming through. The vast majority of times, it, it brings me closer to worship. It reveals something of God's heart for me. Let's also figure out the prophetic message that God has during the, worship, during the whole meeting, right? There are times where that's actually what the leaders do as they're administrating the meeting. They're trying to pick up on what is the prophetic 
feeling of the meeting? Is, it, is, it, is God trying to say something about healing today or salvation or people coming to him? Or is there something that is this ministry or people, you know, do people need different things? And, you know, as we're all the church. We're all the saints. If, we, if you're picking up with that, then look around and see, you know, maybe the person right next to me is weeping. And maybe this is an opportunity for me to pray for that person, to come meet them where they're at. See one and see what God is doing. And then do one. Let's learn about the prophetic in the safety of church family. You know, you, you don't, it doesn't have to be weird. <laughs> you know, we're a family here. We, we talk about the church family. And this is something we can ask each other. We can learn. You can ask leaders. You can grow in it. We can point you to the biblical verses. You can do your own studies. You can go into the word and see the prophetic is, is real. Get a dream journal and just write down the dreams you had. And just see. Do they, do they come true or do they resonate? Is God trying to say something to you? Look for opportunities with friends, family, even at work. I'm a physician and, and I, I see patients and I see some of the sickest patients that, that are struggling with so many things. And I was challenged with this over the last year. It's like, you know, on Sundays we're praying for people and doing different things, but, but the Holy Spirit doesn't end on a Sunday. And so in my office, I would come and, and I, would, I, would, I would sometimes just get overwhelmed because people are coming to me and they've gone to Mayo Clinic, they've gone to all these different clinics, and they said, you know, people have done every test, they've done everything possible, and, and I'm, I'm still more broken than ever. And they'd say, it's up to you to fix me. And I'm like, no pressure, no pressure, I can't fix you, you know. And it would cause frustration whenever I would try to, to, try to come up with a test or think of them just like cells in a body. And I, God just spoke to me and he said, you know, Maybe the answer is spiritual. Maybe it's emotional. Maybe it's something else. And so as I started praying for my patients under my breath, God would bring a picture to mind or something would drop in my heart and I would share that and I would say, you know, did this ever happen to you before? And was this really struggling with you? And almost every time they're like, yes, that's, that's what's been, been wrecking my life ever since that happened. I haven't been able to move past it. And then invariably we start talking about Jesus. Because the prophetic points to Jesus. That's the spirit of testimony, is the prophetic. And we've prayed with patients, and we've seen more healing come from that than a pill or an antibiotic or a test. And working together is a beautiful and wonderful thing. And, and, and I'm so glad that, that, I, that God brought me back to my true north of seeing how this can function and work. Try it. Try it in your workplace with your friends and see if they don't ask more about the gospel. See if... If we don't have to hit our heads into the wall anymore, and if God is, it cares about them more than we do, and then teach one. Share testimonies. Share experiences. Share the word. You know, we're in this together. My victories are your victories, and your victories are my victories. Because we're all pulling in the same direction. It's all about Jesus, friends. You know, this isn't about a platform for me, or it's not about us. It's about God. And I rejoice when I hear your testimonies, and let's do it together. But always test prophecies and test ourselves as we're going into the prophetic. As I talked about before, Revelation 19.10 says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. If prophecy isn't pointing towards Jesus, then maybe it's pointing away from Jesus. You know, there are a lot of spirits that... that uh, our divining spirits that can tell us the future but don't point toward Jesus and we shouldn't open ourselves up to that. We always should look at is Jesus uh, glorified in this prophetic word as we test it. 
Test it with love. Again, as we heard last week with, with Nancy, 1 Corinthians 13, use love to test the prof- prophecies. Love is patient. Is the prophetic word patient? Does it meet us where we're at? Is it, it shouldn't be manipulative. We don't use prophecies to try to get people to do what we want them to do. God never did that. He never once manipulated someone. In 1 Samuel, it says manipulation is akin to witchcraft. It's the enemy who manipulates us. God, even though he's all-powerful, he just shows us the truth and wants us to open our hearts to it. And that truth sets us free. Prophecy is kind. It doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing. You know, the first time that I would be exposed to the prophetic, it freaked me out, to be honest with you. Because A, I didn't understand it, but B, I was always worried that that the person, the, the prophet or whoever came up front, would reveal all the secrets of my life to everyone. <laughs> I'd be laid bare before everyone, and, and all the bad things I've ever done would, would be, and I would be embarrassed and all these things. And, you know, I, I just thought that that's what, that's what prophecy was. And, but it's not. It's kind. Nobody wants to embarrass anybody else. God never embarrasses us. I, I can't think of one time God has ever embarrassed me. He's not trying to do that. He's trying to build us up. In Ephesians, we hear it's to, to encourage us. It's to build us up. It's to build up the church together. Lo- love is sacrificial. Love bears all things. It points to Jesus, as so should prophecy. It's not about us. It's about him. And love is humble. It does not boast. It's not arrogant. It does not insist in its own way. Prophecy is the same. It's not about a platform for me or us. If it's pointing towards me, then I'm doing something wrong. And test those things. Test it and see. See what is the good part and what is the bad part. See, the Bible tells us to do this. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 19-21, it says, Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything and hold fast to what is good. The good part of that. Paul wouldn't have said, do not despise prophecy, if people weren't despising it. There must have been people despising prophecies at that time in front of Paul, right there. Right? It's not a reflection on who Paul is. It's a fraction of how we get freaked out by things we don't understand or how, like the Corinthian church, they were operating in it without love, right? So let's not, let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. Let's come back to the, our true north, how it's appropriately to be used and tested. And then 1 John 4, 1 through 3 reminds us, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world, but by this you will know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist which you have heard was coming and is now in the world already. It's not about knowing the future, you know. Please don't go to palm readers or tarot card readers or fortune tellers because I guarantee you your future is not worth being pulled away from Jesus. It's not worth opening yourself up to a divining spirit. In Acts, Paul would rebuke those divining spirits and they would flee. And people would get angry because their, money, their gravy train you know, was, was, was up. What's so much more important is Jesus. But I can see how we could see that and then be pull, turned off to prophecy. That's not the heart of prophecy. You know, prophecy is real and it brings us closer to God. In summary, it brings us to a closer intimacy with God. It's for now, it's through the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We can learn by seeing, by doing, by teaching. 
and test our prophecies and test ourselves as we're doing that. You know, recently, a couple weeks ago, I, uh, I, I was, I, I've been thinking about um, a new part of my job, to travel more. And I was like, okay, yeah, I can maybe travel more and I can do these, these different things. And, and um, I, I didn't really talk to my family about the travels, but I was just kind of thinking about it. And, and the next morning, my wife had this, this really vivid dream that, that um, I had struggled with infidelity, actually, in the future. And it was like this vivid dream. And I was like, well, I, I, didn't, I didn't do anything. I was like, don't, don't be mad at me, you know. And she was like, no, no, I know, but yeah, I don't know, just pray about it. And then she kind of disregarded it and, and um, moved on from there. And I was like, wow, that's really weird. I, I don't want to ever do that. And then later that evening, my, my three-year-old daughter had a nightmare. And she woke up and she said, Daddy, I saw you talking to a mean lady. And I told you, Daddy, Daddy, don't talk to the mean lady, but you still talk to the mean lady. And then something was coming after me. And it cut me to the core. And I said, what? And I, I, came, I fell on my knees and I prayed to God and I said, God, what, what is this? What are you trying to tell me? And I felt God say, you know, you're, you're so locked in to traveling and to doing this thing in, in, in your workplace. But be wise about how you travel, about the protection you put in place. You see, God's incredible heart was that I would never stumble, that I would never fall. See, he, he wants to prevent me from doing things that I haven't even done yet. You know, he knows me better than I know myself. And it caught, got me to, to put things in place that I'm saying, you know, I'll just travel by myself. I don't want to travel with anyone else. And to kind of demand that up front. And I thought about the incredible heart of our Savior who always just wants to keep us safe, always wants to protect us. Just like I want to protect my daughter. He wants to protect us. And that's the, the beautiful picture of the prophetic. You know, today, you know, Steve and I were, were talking about how to kind of administrate the close of the meeting. And it's funny, you know, again, this is not scripted, right? We don't, we don't have a game plan for what we have because we don't want to quench the spirit. We don't want to come here saying that this is what we're going to do, God. But we want to be open to it. And then we saw a prophetic song happen. So I, I honestly don't have a, necessarily a plan on how to end the meeting. But I have been feeling a few things through worship and, and also even through the sermon. And I feel like today is the day that we can respond to the prophetic. And I just want to ask if anybody has, this is kind of a reach, if anyone wants to repent for seeking fortune tellers or seeking things, seeking their future without seeking God, that let this be the day that you just repent for that. Let that be washed away. Let that not be an obstacle that we have to seeking the true God, the God of heaven and earth. And if anyone has, has felt like the prophetic is for someone else, it's for a weird church, it's not for me, maybe today is a day that we can repent for that and to say, God, I believe your word and I'm open to it. I'm open to receiving from you. And I just feel also that if, if someone today wants to receive the prophetic in a greater context, that let today be the day that you receive the prophetic. The ministry team is going to come up and, and I'll ask the ministry team to, to walk up right now. They would love to pray with you for you to receive the Holy Spirit in a greater measure, for you to receive a prophetic word today, if that's what God wants to do, or to just talk to you, just share with you, to reason together, let's reason together what the truth is. <clears throat> but before that, I do feel I do have a couple of prophetic words. Now, this is not my, com- my comfort zone. 
I'll let you know that. You've rarely seen me come up here and prophesy over people, but there, there are two people that I feel like have been highlighted to me. And there are actually two people I don't know well, very, like very well. So this is going to be a little bit of a walk-on-water moment for me. So try not to laugh too hard. Be kind. Remember, love is kind. So uh, Chris Schneider, do you mind standing up? <clears throat> so Chris, you know, as, even as I was preaching, I, I just saw you and I just see the presence of God over you. And I just feel like God wants to do something incredible in your life. And, you know, I, I don't, again, I don't know you that well, and so test this, test to see if this is true, but I just see you as like a mountain. And in that mountain, there are these precious elements. There's gold filled throughout the mountain. And that, that maybe you don't seek the spotlight, and so there hasn't, you know, you, you've been wear, wary to dig into that mountain to, to seek after those things because your heart is for God, and you don't seek those pre- precious treasures. But I feel like God is saying that, that it's okay. It's okay to seek after those things, that it, it'll bring glory to Jesus, it'll bring glory to other people, it'll help other people. And I feel like Abby, your wonderful wife, is going to be key. Do, do you mind standing up too, Abby? Yeah. Thanks. Your wonderful wife is going to be key to actually helping and encouraging you to step into that and, and praying for you and diving in. And you're going to just come alive in a whole new way, in a way that you would have, wouldn't have seen before. And we're all going to rejoice in that. And, and I can say that because we're doing this as a church family, that we're all praying for you, and we're standing with you, and that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Oh, so so that, that's it, that's it. <laughs> so so if, if you want to pray into that or, or come forward, feel free. And Jerusha, I have a word for you. Do you mind standing up? <clears throat> so again, Jerusha, I, I don't know you that well, but I just felt that, that, you, that you may like to fly under the radar, that you don't really seek the spotlight. That, um, and that's, that's great. That's okay. But that you have an incredible gift. You have an incredible pastoral gift to meet people even in their brokenness. And even when they're struggling to know whether God is near or far, that you help them to see that he is near. And you have this incredible gift of encouraging them and showing them to the word. And just like in uh, Philippians 4.4, you help them to rejoice even in their suffering because God is near and you show them that. And you have an evangelistic gift because of that, through that, that you point them to Jesus. And I just feel like you may have gone through some hard times in your life that have been hurtful or challenging, and I just felt like God has dug this deep well in it through that. You found God in that place, and there's this deep well, and you're going to share that water, those rivers of living water with many other people. And I feel like God is giving, giving you more of a spotlight, that even though you shun the spotlight, that he is highlighting you. And I just hear this phrase um, that, that you are a good friend, that you are an incredibly good friend. You're a good friend to many people, you know, if they have taken a step to be friends with you. And I just hear this phrase that you are a friend of God's. And that you are a friend of God's. And that God is a dear friend of yours. And he loves you. He sees you where you are at. And he, you, are not, you are not in the shadows. You are in the, in the spotlight to him. And I'm excited to see you step more into that and to, to be an incredible blessing to so many people. So if that resonated in any way, then thank Jesus, because there's no way I could know any of these things. And, and I just feel like those are things that God is, it wants to share with you guys. And, um, and pray into it. Test them. Test them with the word and, and with love and, and with your life and with your walk with Jesus. You guys hear from Jesus. 
Again, if anyone, if any of the things that I've said have resonated, and if you want to receive more of the prophetic, if you want to operate in it, if you want to repent for, for anything in the past or for, for shunning the prophetic, then can I ask that you just stand right now? And I would love to pray for you. Oh, you, you, it's okay. You can stand right now. Yeah, you can stand right now. There you go. There you go. So, if, if you want to respond to any of those things. Yeah, there you go. Okay. What's that? Okay, yeah, if you want to, sorry, the things are, <laughs> so the things are, if you want to just repent for anything that, that um, has taken you away from the prophetic, you know, seeing fortune tellers or palm readers or tarot card readers or things like that, if you have shunned the prophetic and you have kind of disregarded that, even shunning revelation, and you just want to take a step away from those things and come back to the prophetic, or if you want to receive more of the prophetic, maybe today that you wanted more outpouring of the Holy Spirit and you want to receive more of, of the prophetic, then please stand today. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, I would. (laughs) There's no pop quiz. There's no pop quiz. Okay. Dear Lord, I I thank you, Father, for what you are doing today, but you're not done yet, Lord, that you have an incredible heart for all of your people, both standing and sitting. Lord, but I ask that especially for those who are standing, Father, that I pray that you would wash over anything that has taken them away from you, anything that has soured them to the prophetic, Lord, any bad experiences that they've had with, maybe people have prophesied over them in in a way that hasn't been helpful. I pray that you'd wash over all of those things. I thank you that the most beautiful picture of love that has ever existed, you coming down in flesh, dying for our sins and being raised again, Lord, that is strong enough to break any chain, any sin, that nothing, not heaven, not hell, not angel, not demon, will separate us from the love of God. And I pray right now that that blood of Jesus would wash over all of us and wash away those things that would separate us, Father. And I pray, Father, that those who have been hesitant about the prophetic, that have been skeptical of it, that they haven't been skeptical of you, Lord. And I pray that today that they would receive more of your prophetic gifting. They would see it. They would receive it. I pray for a fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit, that even as we hold our hands open, that we would receive more of your gift of the Holy Spirit, Lord. That they would dream dreams and see visions and prophesy, Lord. That they would operate in gifts of healing, gifts of miracles, evangelism, tongues, interpretation of tongues, all of the prophetic giftings that you have, all of the gifts of your Holy Spirit, all of them, Lord. That they would be poured out and as a church we would be lacking in nothing because of what your people have received. I thank you that we are the church and you have given everything for us including the gifts, for the glory of our King. In Jesus' name, amen. Feel free to stand and just receive or or sit or whatever is more comfortable for you and receive. But again, if you'd like to come up and receive personal prayer and feel like more is happening, please do it. No one's watching except, you know, Jesus. And he's here. And you can feel his presence in this time. And so don't hurry off. Receive. Thank you so much.